So welcome to the Love Fly podcast. It's Paul Tizar, Fear of Flying Coach, Love Fly co-founder. And today, uh, oh my God, I can't tell you, I can't believe who we've got as a guest. We've got Ian from Flight Radar 24. I'm just so chuffed that you're here. The Love Flyers love you. So welcome. Well, thanks so much for having me. It's it's great to be with you. Tell us about how you started, and I know it's massive now. I was like doing some research before we spoke. I just I can't believe how many countries you're in and all the rest of it. But how did it all start? Yeah, it, it, Flight Radar Twenty Four got started completely by accident, which is uh, always a fun story to tell. We uh, our co-founders were a, a Swedish-based company, mm-hmm. and our two co-founders were working on a price comparison site. So think Expedia, Kayak, what have you, for the Swedish market. And they were thinking of ways to drive traffic. This was 2006, 2007. Right, they right. were thinking of ways to, to drive traffic to that site. So mm. ADSB had recently kind of started to gain some adoption and you could build a receiver and and put one up wherever you were. And so they put a few up in, in the Stockholm area and then put a moving map of air traffic in the Stockholm area on the site. And then that grew a little bit and, mm. and there were more planes on the site and or more planes on the map on this price comparison site. And eventually it got to the point where Google thought that the website was a flight tracking site, not a price comparison site. And and so then they realized, well, if if this is what so many people are coming for, maybe we should do this full time. Mm. And the site was, the, the moving map was spun off and became what is now Flight Radar 24. Uh, so that was, uh, that was. So, uh, so, so almost, it's a completely yeah. sort of an emergent thing then. It just, it got, it grew popularity and that was it. Yeah, it, people like seeing what's happening around them, uh, mm. you know, in, in the world. And and so then the ability to to follow flights in real time, not just to know that the flight had departed or, yeah. or kind of when it was going to arrive based on some airline schedule, but knowing exactly where it was and, and where it was going and where it was coming from and, and all of those things that, that I think people have really come to love about Flight Radar 24. That's, that's kind of where it got started with just a, a tiny half screen map. It's just amazing. I mean, I just see it on so many people's phones. And I was quite surprised because I thought our oh, aviation sort of geeks might love it, you know, just sort of go, where am I going? But then I saw it that nervous flyers are using it all the time in a, in a very positive way. So I don't know if you knew that, but a lot of people who are scared of flying will will, will track that flight before they are going to take it. And because what they're doing is they're checking that they all land. Which is yeah, quite nice. <laughs> yeah. They 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 do. Yeah, I, I think I think there are a lot of people who, whether they're nervous about flying mm. specifically or or are nervous travelers in general, I, I think that travel of any kind often makes brings out the nerves in people. Whether it's is there, are things going to be on time? Am I going to get there? Do I have enough time? Is it going to be okay? Do I need to you know rearrange my schedule? And and because there's that. And and I'm sure listeners to your podcast have, have talked about this. There's that lack of control, like mm. you, you know, you the the aircraft is not under your control, 
And so we get people from from time to time will write into to our support team or or they'll message us on social media and they say, "Oh, you guys, you know, saved me. I was rushing, 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 and I found out that the the aircraft that I was going to be on was really two hours late, uh, so I didn't have to rush to the airport, or you know, I I could you know, may, I knew I was going to make my flight. I didn't have to worry about that. And and that's that's the best when mm-hmm. when people come to us and say, "Oh, you know, I was using the app, and not only do I do I like it." But it, you know, it helped me somehow. Mm. Um, and that's what I always love to hear, whether it's, you know, making people feel more at ease when they're traveling or, you know, a specific example where, you know, I don't, I know I don't have to rush or I know I've got the the time. Yeah, or, yeah. Um, I'm excited about this particular aircraft that I'm going to be on that well, I, I knew about. Ahead this, of time. Well, it's also sort of phenomenally reassuring to see how many aircraft are in the air at any one time. So we always quote sort of a random figure, but what's the actual sort of, figure would you say or i mean obviously it changes morning night evening different parts of the yeah world, but so generally so peak time for for aviation is about is about between 14 and, and 16 utc uh, so the middle of the afternoon in europe when europe is still awake the u.s has woken up and and that can go during the summer that can be north of twenty thousand flights in the air at the same time Twenty thousand flights mm-hmm. wow and that would be what? How many people do you think that would be roughly? We, because there there are so many, you know, seating differentials and cargo aircraft and everything like that. We usually use one hundred per aircraft. You know, one hundred people per aircraft because you know mm. a triple seven is going to have close to you know three fifty. Uh, a Cessna is going to have one or two. So we kind of average it out uh, about a hundred people per aircraft and and count a few million people in the sky. That's amazing, isn't it? When you think about that, all being controlled, all landing. Yeah, takeoffs, Rocking. landings, in route guidance, everything going, mm. you know, going where it's supposed to go, and and getting there safely. So, how do you actually do it? I mean, so, so tell tell it like for, for a real noddy like me, <laughs> how, how do you you know because it, it's accurate? I, I yeah, I just always want how you do it, how you have access to it, what how that's safe, you know, all that sort of stuff. Sure. So, so the the radio signals that come out of the aircraft that tell us where the aircraft is are are broadcast as part of a safety regimen that the aircraft themselves are partaking in. the The transponder data that the aircraft are sending out, we use it to track the aircraft, but the aircraft are using it to track themselves as mm. well because it's part of their traffic collision avoidance systems. So the aircraft are saying, "I'm here, I'm here, I'm here," and if another aircraft gets too close and says, "I'm here, I'm here, I'm here," those transponders will deconflict. And the pilots will be told, okay, you need to climb, you need to descend, you need to turn, you need nice. to do something so to, to prevent a collision. But as part of that, we get a lot of information about where the aircraft is, its position, its altitude, speed, heading, all sorts of stuff. And so we take that information from, from about 35,000 receivers on the ground all around the world, plus satellite-based receivers mm. uh, up in space. And we fuse that information with all of the airline schedules. So the aircraft don't tell us where they're coming from or where they're going to. They just tell us where they are. So we have to to take the information that says, I'm this aircraft and this is where I am. This is what I'm doing. And combine that information with schedule information about when when were they supposed to leave? When are they supposed to arrive? Uh, what's the route of this aircraft at 
at the moment based on what the call sign is. And, and we put all that together to give people kind of a holistic picture of what's happening in the skies above them. That's very clever because you're doing all of that in real time, aren't you? So it's, that's just... That's mind blowing. Yeah, it's um so so we track aircraft in, in a few different ways. The the most advanced way is what we call ADSB, and that's basically the aircraft telling us exactly where it is, exactly what it's doing, uh, and that's from the time we get the signal to the time you see it on the screen. It's a few seconds of uh, of processing time and and mm. signal reception and things like that. That's just that's amazing. So you've been going since uh, two thousand six, sort of. But then sort it happened of, yeah. by accident, and then it became a big thing. And there, I guess there must be loads of you there working on this. Uh, yeah, so we so we we got started in about 2007. 2009 is when things really changed for us because we opened up the receiver network so that if you had an ADSB receiver or if you wanted to build one, you could share the data with us. And that's what helped to grow the network is, wow. is receiver hosts, people that are either hosting our receiver kit that mm. we've designed and have manufactured, or you can build your own at home. And then we... So anyone hosting a receiver gets a free business subscription from us. So so that not only did they have the the raw data with their receivers, but they also get back all sorts of things like three years of history for for aircraft around the world, different weather layers and things like that that we overlay on top of all the information. So you can not only see where aircraft are, but kind of see why they're there. Why is this plane flying mm-hmm. from from New York to LA, flying over Toronto? That doesn't make any sense. Oh, I see a massive thunderstorm in the middle of the United States. Okay, now that makes sense. So it's you know kind of helping helping people understand why aircraft are mm. doing what they're doing as well. I think is a big part of uh, of what we're doing. Which is, which is interesting for me. I, th- I mean, I love the sound of that, but when I look at your uh, as a sort of a business and thinking, so what keeps them doing this? You know, so it started off as a sort of like a helpful thing and now it's like exploded. Well, excuse the probably the wrong phrase, but it's <laughs> ex- expanded. What keeps you going? Why do you do it? You know, say, so I keep thinking, is it like lots of people giving their time voluntarily or is it a, I don't know. Do you know what yeah, I'm trying to get I, I to? Mean, yeah. So, <laughs> so the reason I do it is because I'm obsessed with aviation and there are, I would say, no shortage of people on our staff who who are very very similar we do have some folks who work for the company who don't know an a320 from a 747 mm. um, and could care less they're they're in it for the i mean the all of the technology behind it and, and things like that so so some some of those people do exist in the company and it's it's fun do, to do, see do you just ignore them or do you, you know just... not at all not at all we we, we try and bring them into the fold <laughs> and, and so you know now now they start asking questions about well what's that about and, and things mm. like that so it becomes it becomes fun to to watch them kind of explore aviation but I think we do what we do because we we enjoy the aviation industry so much. And we keep trying to make Flight Raider 24 better because we we want it to be better for us. Yes. yes. It also happens to be good business to make it better for our users. But you know, we we spend a lot of time. I spend a lot of time in the app. I spend a lot of time on the website. There are are no shortage of people who who are poking, prodding, trying to break things so that we can move forward with development, things like that, where it's, oh, I want do I want to do this because I think that would be cool. Uh, and then it, we put it together and it becomes a feature that, you know, goes into the mm. apps and, and goes onto the site. 
So you've got you've got the website. See, I've seen that. You've got the app. You also do a podcast. We we do, yeah. I, I which is the number podcast. one, which is a bit annoying. <laughs> it's always number one. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> We've been close uh, a few yeah. times in the same genre. Uh, we I always look at Aviation UK, and then we we seem to be end up quite close. But you're always number one. It's obviously very popular. What do you think it is that makes it so popular for people? I I think well, I always I always answer that question by saying people always want to know what's happening around them. And I think that it's it's a chance to to follow along with something that I think more and more people are becoming aware of that what's happening in the skies above them over the past couple of weeks that's been acutely made <laughs> been made acutely aware of that it's all of the the balloon nonsense yes but I think that that people really like to know what's going on it's it's I don't think it's much different than than reading the news. It's just a very specific kind of news mm. and and people discovering that, oh, they they like seeing what's happening in the skies above them and they like knowing what's happening and, and learning more about that. I, I think because aviation is such a jargon filled, acronym filled, yes. insular industry, though it touches every part of the globe, it's a very small kind of mm. compact closed industry. And so I think it, it seems very mystifying to a lot of people. And and we do our best to unpack that and and yeah. kind of explain what's happening, why things are happening, and and what's important not only for people who are really interested in you know in minutia, but but people that are just flying in general and and want to know more about what aircraft are doing when they're on board. Mm. It certainly gets a lot of mentions in the Love Fly group and I th- People find it, and sometimes we get a bit hooked on it. So some, <laughs> sometimes I have to sort of say, you know, maybe you can wean yourself off because it can become like a safety. We call it safety behaviors. I mean, you're trying to beat a fear of flying. I say it's fine to why don't you check your route for the week before you fly, and then you'll see that you know it just it takes off, it lands, it takes off, it lands. You can see what's going on, and then you can visualize being on there. Yeah. The trouble is that sometimes people get then hooked on it, and they have to check their flight. And they have to do that for a month before, and then it doesn't, which is probably good for you, but it's not good for them for the, the nervous flyer thing. So there's, there's got to be some sort of happy medium, you know. Want them right, to, right. You know what I mean? So you want them to get to the stage where they just check it because they're interested or curious, or they want to know if the flight's late, you know, which is like most, you know, like hopefully most people would like to get to that place. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, uh, I, I think, yeah, I, I think it's good to, I think it's good to have that there and available but it's you know it's certainly something where you you don't want to be relying just on just on having to do that no no I, so i always wonder when i look at what you've done because you've it's evolved so much i always i always think what what do they do next you know what what do people want you to be doing next sure i i think the the answer to that question is more of, that's an easy one of, yeah thanks very much yeah more more data more visualization, um, mm. more of m- giving the users more access to more data. Yeah. And and so some of the things we're working on right now are different ways to filter flights. The the release that's going to come out, we're talking mid-February, so it'll, it'll be out 
hopefully soon, definitely by spring, where we're going to have the ability to kind of filter flights by type and category. So you'll be able to look at passenger flights versus cargo flights versus private jets, oh, nice. things like yeah, that. Yeah. And and then different ways to filter specific flights. So, you know, aircraft or or airports, do you want to see, you know, flights that are are just flying to uh, to Germany, for instance, mm. um, or, or flights just from Germany, that kind of thing. And then from there, it's adding ways for, for users to, to see the data that they want to see. So we've got kind of custom alerts now where you can set an alert for a particular flight number or call sign or an aircraft registration, but let's expand that. Let's, you know, based on, we only want that for, you know, you're going to be flying on a specific day. So you want to know when the inbound aircraft takes off, but you don't care about that flight tomorrow because you're not on the mm. flight tomorrow, mm. you're on the flight today. So let's, you know, set things by date. Let's, um, you oh, know, wow. set some yeah. more conditions and give people yeah. a more granular way to, to see, you know, kind of the flight data that they're interested in. Yeah, that makes sense. I can see that would be very attractive. So that, that is like a nice little tweak. I can imagine there's a lot of work behind that, but that is that's really getting quite granular, isn't it? So that you're able to sort of be very specific. I want to know this on this day from this country, this aircraft type. Yeah, very cool. So what about the, so I'm going to ask you a sort of question that's been in my mind when, I, when I've when i managed to get through. I mean, sure. you've been super quick. So you literally got back to me straight away. And, so <laughs> I, and I've written to other places like, you know, uh, aircraft makers, but they remain anonymous, who've basically said this isn't really what we want to talk about. And I think it sure. should be, but you would go straight back. So I'm, I'm really grateful. But one of the things that's I've often wondered is that in the exceptionally rare occurrence of something happening, are you consulted? Is it sort of, a, are you part of that chain of events or inquiry? Yeah. So we... We have very strong relationships with a number of air accident investigation branches or, mm. or um, investigative boards because the ADSB data is, it's the first draft of history. So yes. it's instantaneous. It's sent out from the aircraft. Mm. And, and that often gives investigators not enough information to determine what happened or why that takes a full investigation and and the important part there is is getting the flight data recorder and the cockpit voice recorder recovered from the aircraft if something has happened but having the the data available especially if there's a a question of where the aircraft is actually located mm. um, having that data available to be able to send is is often very helpful or if there's a question of historical data that can inform the investigation where we have a record of every flight that that aircraft has taken you know over the past 10 years and the investigators are looking to say okay is there anything that the incident flight can tell us uh, about you know what the aircraft is doing and let's compare that to the past week the past month the past year for that wow. particular aircraft was there anything that stands out uh, and and we can kind of fuse that data together to say here here's a, a more holistic picture of mm. what this aircraft was doing what this flight was doing and and so we found it very helpful to to package as much data as we can and provide that to investigators they might not have need for it. The incident might be clear cut. The flight yes. yeah. data recorder and the cockpit voice recorder are easily recovered. But then on, on the other hand, there are incidents where 
the the ADSB data that that we're collecting can help inform the investigation, um, mm. or, or or in the case that that happened this week, begin an investigation. There was an incident in um, in Hawaii last December where a United flight lost height after after departure. It it, um, it nosed down and and stopped its climb and, and actually descended, and the aircraft recovered, but the and the pilots reported the incident to to the the airline leadership and the FAA but the NTSB wasn't notified because there was no damage to the aircraft and there were no injuries to anyone on board yes so it didn't meet the the reporting criteria but once the news broke based on reporting by an aviation journalist based on an analysis of ADSB data that we provided uh, the NTSB said you know what no we're going to take a look at this and and that oh, wow. you know, began the investigation so so those types of things where there might not be an accident there might not be uh, an incident where anyone's been injured or an yes. aircraft has been damaged but it's something that safety regulators want to take a look at to see if they can try to prevent an occurrence mm. you know the next time that's very cool isn't it? And, it's, and, that, and that's like an extra layer of reassurance for people thinking that nothing really happened. I mean, it's I'll not saying nothing really happened, but it's like something unusual happened. It was a, a regular right. and but it not enough to trigger all these other agencies, but enough for you to think, well, there might be something here that we could learn from anyway. And I think that's that's brilliant. And, that's like that's another and that's layer. The, the goal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's always the goal. I mean, in mm. in in. in in an accident or incident investigation, the, the goal is always to prevent whatever happened that was bad from ever happening again. And and you know, countless stories of you know investigations finding root causes and saying, okay, we can fix that mm. and and prevent that from ever happening again. Yeah, we always say with commercial aviation, there's no single point of failure. And and the other thing is that something happens. We always learn from it, and that's like, and right. that's, and that's what you're reinforcing now, which I really like. So, what's the backup to the transponder? If so, so if they don't have that, and you're not following, you're not able to follow that. Is it, are there other ways that you can track aircraft, or or do you not need to for your tech? So, for our system, the aircraft has to have a transponder. We we don't have access to primary radar, so so we don't have uh, the ability to track anything that doesn't have a transponder. But for 99.9% of the time, at least as far as the aircraft we're concerned with, yes. that they have transponders and, and we're able to track them. Yeah. So that's really, that's really very, very accurate then. So if I may ask then, if, if, have you ever been on duty or been employed working with them when something has happened? And then, because I always think about like air traffic control, if, there is an incident because it is so rare but there are there's a chain of people that be affected by that and i wonder if that's ever sort of happened for ever anybody at flight radar 24 as well that that type of thing yeah i mean when when something happens we we want to pull the data as quickly as possible so as, as soon as we find out about something happening we we make sure that mm. all of the data that could possibly be relevant is saved and, and so the the way the site works is that we we display about a fifth of the data that we receive from the aircraft because the ADSB signal is sent twice per second. Wow! And 
if we displayed all of that data on the site, it would be impossible to run. It would just mm. it would just fall mm. over under the weight of all the data. But all of the raw data is saved within the receivers and and then it's kind of collated and and saved by us, not on the website, but but saved. And so when we find out that there's been an incident, we'll pull that raw data if it's still available. Or we'll pull the the collated granular data that that gives us much more precise timing mm. uh, in, into whatever happened. And then we'll we'll analyze that to to see if there's any information that might be helpful to to any investigation. And we'll send that over to whoever's investigating the incident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we'll usually make it public, either via our blog or or social media, so that the media can report accurately on what happened. Because one of the biggest things, as far as we're concerned, is that if there's going to be reporting on an incident, we want it to be accurate. The popular media has a history of sensationalizing aircraft accidents. Um, And so our goal is to say, this is what happened. This was the data that, mm. that we have. Here's the aircraft information so that you can be accurate in your you know, discussion about that. Uh, no, this was not a passenger aircraft. This was a cargo aircraft. So you know, lives weren't at risk in the magnitude of hundreds. It was two pilots. Or you know, the, the, in, in the past few years, no, the 737 is not a MAX it's a it's an ng they're completely different aircraft and mm. and so you know things that go into the max issues don't factor in here it's a separate discussion and, and things like that so making sure that the the conversation about what has happened is as is as accurate and precise as possible is is a big driver for us in in understanding what happened and and helping helping everyone else understand that as well yeah so you, it's quite a responsibility you carry actually isn't it you, and it sounds like you take it very seriously in terms of absolutely yeah we we do take it very seriously because we we want to we want to have the trust of our audience mm-hmm. i mean we're we're taking live air traffic and and making a map for for people around the world and we want to ensure that the data is as accurate as possible for you know for for everybody so yes. for us for our users and and for whoever else may need to to access that data. So what's the that's great, brilliant, and we appreciate that. So what's the best bit about doing what you do? Uh, me personally, the best yeah. bit, yeah, is is well things like this. You know, I well, I really enjoy I really <laughs> enjoy talking to people about mm. about what we do. And for me, the absolute best thing about my job is getting to go to events where there are other aviation folks and and just you know being amongst it's like a proper geek out isn't it yeah 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 yeah. um so i mean we we travel to these events and and ostensibly i'm working but really it's it's just i'm talking about airplanes with a bunch of people who also love talking about airplanes and and for me that's the the best part of the job yeah so you've never had a fear of flying then i'm guessing no no i i've never had a fear of of flying though i will say that as i've gotten older the 
it's not a fear, but I'm more, I'm much more aware. And I don't know mm-hmm. if that's because I'm in the industry or if I'm just kind of getting older and, and I have a family now and, and things like that, where I'm just, I'm just much more aware of, of things uh, yes. that are, are, are great that are wonderful. I'm, I'm very thankful that I can, you know, cruise through the sky in, in a carbon fiber tube at, at, you know, eight tenths the speed of sound, but also that's kind of an interesting thing to be doing for, you know, uh, a land mammal. Yeah. So, well, it's, so it, it's two sides of the same coin, I think. Yeah, it does blow you. I, I think there is, I think it's widely reported that you do sort of become more aware of your situation, as you put it, you know, <laughs> you know, we have mortality, if you like, as soon as you have families and stuff like that, people depend upon you. It does make you question those things that previously you might have taken for granted. So you've never had a fear of flying, then, but you're you're more aware. What about any of your colleagues? Are any of them like, oh, you know, I love doing the job, but sod that, we'll get me on an aircraft. Yeah, we we have a few people that work for Flight Rider Twenty Four that uh, I I don't know if it's a it, I don't know how how deep it is, but they do mm. they are apprehensive, and and when they do fly, they will reach out you know, to, to other people to ask about, you know, something or, you know, about this aircraft or, or, you know, is this airline okay? And yeah, things yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so we kind of, you know, it, helpfully we have a lot of information that we can share with people who, you know, are, mm-hmm. are interested in that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, I've, I've been very fortunate to be in the industry for quite a while now. And, but I work with people who can literally without looking, they can hear an aircraft go overhead and they can pretty much tell you what it was. And I think, well, how can you do that? Because it must be because the engines, you know, you could put on a different aircraft type, but they pretty much can nail it. I think that's quite phenomenal, isn't it? Or scary. I don't know which it is. Uh, Yeah, I I can't do it for every aircraft, but I I live underneath the approach path uh, in Chicago. And so I know when when certain aircraft are coming over, I can definitely tell which which ones they are. But I, I don't think I could tell, you know. A pair of 737s apart no no but, I, uh, I i was very fortunate when i worked years ago i worked at the airport when the then the concord always used to take off at a certain time that when you can stop working and you know <laughs> you know that was concord you know because everything stopped and the noise yeah. was just phenomenal so thank you for giving me your time i'm going to ask one last question if i may sure. and afterwards i'll be kicking myself thinking i should have asked this should have asked that and anyone listening to the podcast will think, ah, oh, why didn't he ask this? But I've just, you know, anyway, my, I guess my question would be, knowing that a lot of nervous flyers listen to your, or sorry, uh, follow, the, follow the app and use the mm-hmm. website and stuff and use your, what advice would you give to the nervous flyer based on your experience of, of, of doing what you do at Flight Radar 24? Two pieces of advice. And, and one will probably not be very helpful at all because it's all facts and figures. But I mean, looking at statistics, it is the safest form of transportation. Flying is absolutely the safest form of transportation. You know, writ large, the entire industry is built around safety because there's no margin for for safety. You're you're flying in the sky. There's no, you're not, you can't pull over to the side of the road. You can't just kind of continue to float on on the ocean and, and figure it out. You're you're in the sky. And so the entire industry is built around being as safe as possible, getting safety right over and over and over and over again. You know, millions of hours in the air each year for aircraft, maintenance, repair, making sure everything is is exactly where it needs to be, when it needs to be there, uh, so that the industry is safe. That's probably not very helpful. I think it's really helpful. 
Well, and hopefully it is for for some people, but but often when I talk to 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 nervous flyers or people who have a fear of flying, they're like, yeah, numbers that's not helpful. Mm. What I will say though is on the other side of that, and and we talked about this, you know, a, a little while ago with the industry being very small. It's it's such a big industry, but it's anyone who works in the industry is just a big family, and and so people who who have a fear of flying or or are nervous about that talk to a flight attendant or or ask if you can talk to the pilots they will i guarantee you 99.99% of the time they will be happy to talk to you they will be happy to say you know what here what are you nervous about is there something specific you're nervous about yeah. is it the takeoff is it the landing is it the weather is it turbulence let's talk about it and and i guarantee you they've heard it all before they have absolutely heard it all before and and they're up there day in and day out. And so talk to your flight crew and and tell them that you're you're feeling nervous about something. Because I guarantee you they have ways that that help them get through the day. They've been in far worse turbulence than you'll ever experience. They've seen things that they will never tell you about because you are already a nervous flyer. And and so talk to your flight crew and and say, you know, I'm I'm a little nervous about something specific or I just I'm generally a nervous flyer and and what mm -hmm. what do you you know what do you recommend how how yeah. can I you know get through this flight so so that's my have the stats in the back of your brain yeah but then talk to people because yeah. people are always the answer I'm surprised I mean your third one wasn't look how many flights take off and land <laughs> on, on our app <laughs> but don't do it for more than a week before you fly because there actually you, you know the the facts speak for themselves, don't they? So you, you see so many in the air. And I love that figure earlier on that you said. So just remind us again, you said, so that at the busiest point of the day, you said between two and four in the afternoon European time, was it? I, I yeah, there, there's about a, a max. Yeah, in, 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 middle, in the middle of the afternoon in Europe, there's about 20,000 flights in the air at the busiest time of the year. And and so there's there's, you know, it's a it's a good sized city in the sky at any one time. There you go, perfect. Thank you so much, Ian. That was absolutely brilliant, and uh, uh, I'm really grateful for your time. And keep doing what you're doing, and we look forward to hearing about all your enhancements and stuff, etc. But yeah, just so you know, lots of people love what you do, so keep it up. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was a, a joy to speak with you. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Love Fly podcast. And if you want to find out about more that we do, please go to our website, lovefly.co.uk, and you'll see a list of other options available to you should you need them. Thanks for listening.